Hi, everyone. This is Diane Wilson. I'm the host of the Genius Podcast, Sciencing Our Human Potential here. And this is part two of an episode of a conversation I had with Dr. Mita Singh, MD. Dr. Singh is a psychiatrist who's board certified in psychiatry as well as sleep medicine. And she has She's known for coaching the sleep muscle and helping a wide range, although many elite athletes, including Olympian teams. So it's been so exciting to talk with her and to share this during the week of the Tokyo Olympics. So you'll learn more about sleep, which is of course, you know, one of my favorite topics, all kinds of aspects of sleep studies and and sleep styles. Is there such a thing as a owl and a lark? <laughs> Melatonin, the whole issue, all these things that you always wanted to ask a doctor about sleep and probably never had an opportunity. So stay tuned. Just one bit of information before we launch into the rest of our conversation. I wanted to mention that I am hosting also uh, coming up a masterclass on some of my favorite neuroscience advantage tips. We'll cover sleep and memory and focus and some other things. It's free. All you have to do is register. Space is limited. It's exclusive to my listeners. So feel free to register. We're on Eventbrite. It's Neuroscience Advantage. Also, you can find it on my on my website, grimardwilson.com, G-R-I. M-A-R-D Wilson, one word.com, or send me an email at diane.g.wilson at gmail.com. Anyway, without further ado, let's jump into the rest of my conversation with Dr. Singh. And thanks for listening. So people need to look at their circadian rhythm. I we were talking earlier about melatonin. And uh, one of my friends had said, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to take this every night. And it just doesn't seem like a good idea yes. for a person who sleeps well. Can you comment on that? Yes. So, so melatonin is this normal hormone that your brain secretes in response to darkness. And it's, you know, and so there's a certain time that the melatonin gets secreted and it signals your brain that you're ready for nighttime activity. And for us, it's a signal that we're ready to go to sleep and it strengthens nighttime physiology. You know, for nocturnal animals, so for some mice, the secretion of melatonin actually results in increased activity because they're, you know, they're, yeah, they're nocturnal. So melatonin um, in this country, um, in the US, it's not considered a medication, it's, it's a health supplement. And so it's readily available over the counter. So the FDA doesn't really, regulated that much and so uh, first of all you know i'm not sure you'll get what you're getting when you say that you're getting melatonin from over the counter because there's no really way there's no way to actually monitor that number one number two is that so the american academy of sleep medicine you know taking melatonin on an occasional basis is is fine, it's relatively benign. It's also perfectly fine if you're a night owl and you're trying to go to bed earlier or for jet lag, you're trying to take it. So if I went to London and tried to take melatonin so I could go to bed earlier, well, that would be an appropriate use of the melatonin. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but, you know, it definitely 
is not recommended for chronic insomnia or a chronic problem. And I always tell people that if you're reaching to take something on a regular basis to help you with your sleep, well, you need to seek help for that. So talk to your primary care physician and get those problems evaluated. And I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll explain to you why. So here's, I remember, so when I'm, you know, when I'm working with athletes, it, it's, or with any other um, uh, person, it's really important to take a detailed sleep-wake history because you want to explore the reasons why they can't fall asleep. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you're a night owl and your regular bedtime is three in the morning and you're going to bed at 10 p.m. and you can't fall asleep, but you don't really have insomnia. You just, you know, you, you, there's a, this misalignment to your biological bedtime as compared mm -hmm. to what time you actually can fall asleep. Or are you, you know, what if you are, you get into bed at 10 o'clock, but you're a chronic worrier and you worry and you're, you know, you're um, worried about your sleep and you may, as a result, you have difficulty initiating sleep. Well, that's insomnia. That needs to be assessed and addressed in a different way as compared to that, that first uh, person that we described. Mm -hmm. Or if you're a, you know, if you're, if you're um, busy at night in, in the evening and you have these, um, you know, if you're playing a sport and your game doesn't begin till seven at night. And so you drink these large energy drinks to get you through the game. Yeah. Well, then when 11 o'clock rolls around, you have half of it still in your system. So that's another reason to not fall asleep. Right, and if you're if you're like yeah. if you're a C-suite um, executive and you're you know answering emails and you're you know conducting board meetings yeah, from your bedroom and then you say tell yourself well okay sh I'm shutting down the computer and I'm going to fall asleep you're not mm -hmm. going to fall asleep because that's not how sleep happens that's so it's really important to mm -hmm. you know to do a detailed and um, you know to get a detailed history to find out exactly why somebody's having problems with sleeping because mm -hmm. otherwise you you'd be you wouldn't be giving them the correct or the accurate uh, uh, treatment tools mm -hmm. oh my gosh so it's very it's complex it's like yes. you have to understand all of these different factors that that play into it and, and I think the art of winding down is not something most of us know anything about mm -hmm. and the other thing is that there's a whole perhaps generation of people that are I, I know a number of people in their 20s that stay awake until 3 a.m mm -hmm. or 4 and, and we work on their sleep schedules to get them to try to change that that they're they play games with uh, uh, video games through the night and it's mm -hmm. There's a culture of people that absolutely love that. Yes, yes. And I think, so So if I may, I, you know, again, there, there are two parts to that question. I want to make sure I address both. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I want to talk about, we'll talk about the winding down schedule in a minute, but I want to talk about this. Um, you know, you said young, young people are often up late. And one of the things that we have to understand is that this propensity to be either a night owl or a morning person is genetic mm -hmm. and so your circadian clock decides that and and there is a certain and you know it changes with age so teenagers and young adults are more likely to be night owls 
than not. Oh. And then as you get older, that's, that tends to change. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I would, sug- I would say that with many, t- many times with young adults, recognizing that is really important because when they're up at night and they can't fall asleep and so they're reaching for their telephone or they're reaching for the, their computer game, mm-hmm. they're not being lazy. It's just that they're wide awake. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. And they don't know how to unwind and they don't know how to, what they can do to distract themselves. And in that specific case, so if they're, if they're night out and they really, they're, they're wide awake at that time and can't even fall asleep at three in the morning, mm-hmm. uh, attempting to fall asleep at 10 o'clock is really very counterproductive. Uh-huh. It's just going to make them frustrated and then they're going to get, you know, they're going to then develop issues with falling asleep. Oh. So, so it, it's kind of, it's important to take into, you know, to understand this concept of time. And, uh, you know, I, I like to tell play people that, so, you know, it's a wonderful thing that we have this, this spectrum along which people lie. I mean, there are some night owls, there are some intermediate people, and then there are some morning lurks because if you if you you know when we were hunters and gatherers you Mm -hmm. didn't want everybody to sleep together you wanted it to be staggered you wanted the you know the 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 night owls to be awake at night and guarding the camp or you know at night and then you wanted the morning people to be up in the morning to be able to take over so it's you know it is a protective um it's it's it really is something that evolved um Uh over time so, it's like the flock that's, you know, half of it sleeping one way yes. and half of it sleeping the other. Oh, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. So, so there is, there is that now. Um, so in, in, in addition to, so, so when they're, when they're young people, um, you know, you want to make, you want to be, you want to be able to identify what their biological, what their, um, you know, whether they're morning people or they're night owls. Having said that, um, you know, night owls are, oftentimes more sensitive to light and so if they're up at night and they're you know they're doing playing video games or they're uh, you know involved in um uh, with their screens they're on linkedin you know not, not link, like twitter or instagram or whatever social media then mm-hmm. it is going to be more difficult for them to fall asleep and you know that and then at that time of course you want to have an intervention i mean <laughs> i remember um, i worked with the, an nba team and there were these young the younger players they were playing video games but they, and they were playing against their teammates so they were not just up themselves but they're keeping their teammates up <laughs> at night and you know interfering mm-hmm. with their with their sleep so and then you know i, I want to make sure i I, I circle back to your question about winding down, and and you know it's it's that example of the that the C, uh, CEO who you know gets into bed and still is working and decides to you know hold this board meeting even in you know from the bedroom and says well and then shuts down the computer and says well and now I have to sleep well it's not going to happen because you have to build that winding down schedule it's uh, you know if you're if you're and I give the analogy if you're you know an, an airplane when it's about to land it doesn't just flop from the mm-hmm. and, and you know onto the ground from the sky it really has these maneuvers it sort of you know circles around and it's kind of lowers its altitude and slowly mm-hmm. you know and carefully lands and so you yeah. want to 
um, one tip I tell people is that instead of instead of setting an alarm, you know, in addition to maybe setting an alarm in the morning, you want to set an alarm at, in the evening that is a reminder to yourself that you have about 35 to 45 minutes left to go to sleep. And, you know, you want to put the electronics away, maybe take a hot bath or a shower, you know, do some sort of stretching exercises, uh, mm -hmm. breathing exercises, do some, you know, meditation or mindfulness techniques. If you have a prayer, um, uh, uh, you know, if that's part of your life, that's a good time to do it. So it can help you unwind and you can allow sleep to happen at your, um, your at your bed. Yes, yes. It's it's fascinating. Those are those are really, really good things to consider. The circadian rhythm or the personal time is, is interesting. I'm I, I guess yeah. I would call myself a night owl because at uh -huh. eight o'clock, I feel amazing in the evening. Uh -huh. <laughs> no, yes. And it's, you know, everyone has their own time. I can't imagine being awake at 3 a.m. and functioning, but. Right, right. Yes. And, so, and so, so, you know, that's really important because I think because we live in this society in which, uh, you know, there's a certain time you have to be at work and, and there's, it's a badge of honor to be up at, like, you know, early in the morning to be yeah. somewhere at work. But that's, mm -hmm. that doesn't really make sense if you're really not wide awake. And I, uh, you know, I remember people will ask me, well, I've heard, like the best sleep you get is the two hours before midnight. Well, midnight is just a number on your clock. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, I go to bed between 9.30 and 10, wake up between, you know, four and six in the morning. So for mm -hmm. me, midnight is truly the middle of the night. But for you, if, you're, if, if you go to bed at midnight or, or one o'clock in the morning, midnight is not even the beginning of the night. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, it's whatever it has to it has to be synchronized with or we want to be in alignment with an, 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 an alignment between our biological clock and the external time on the yes. clock yes it, it's like i wake up at seven every morning no matter what time i go to bed i wake up at seven mm -hmm. it's it's interesting hmm so but some of my clients have because they work with international contacts and locations mm -hmm have very early meetings and I think that's very challenging for them mm -hmm. and yes I think that's something we'll be all working with and how to optimize in those situations right being able to flex or bring self-awareness to that yes yes and and you know I will I would say that it begins with education in which mm -hmm. you talk about you know biological clocks etc and you know if there can be some changes to the schedule. That's really, really important. And then, and of course, so that would be done on an organizational level, but on an individual level, you know, learning to manage your sleep or learning how to shift or adjust to what you need to do so that it can, your, your sleep can fit into your schedule is sometimes very important. I mean, ideally we'd be living in a world where we'd be able to make our own times. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes we can't. I mean, I remember, I, so I worked with um, a couple of pitchers who are, um, they're, they're, night, they're morning people, but most of their game, especially if you're a, you know, if it, uh, um, uh, a starting pitcher, they begin at night. And so, you know, helping them shift their clocks so that they can fit this time um, and, and be completely maximally alert and, and prepared for a night game is something that, 
uh, is really important. It is done on an individual basis, but really is, is really key for performance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That makes a lot of sense. Do you find that a lot of, I, th I think sleep apnea is a question that people, mm -hmm. a lot of people have. Yes. And I think a lot of people wonder if they have it or think they have it and they don't, or don't eat, think about it very much at all and do have it. What do you see? Well, I, you know, that's, I think that's an excellent question. So, uh, so sleep apnea, so let's just begin with the definition. Sleep apnea is a disorder in which your throat sort of closes on you when you're sleeping. So typically when you're breathing, you know, air goes up your nose, your mouth, down the back of your throat, into your lungs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, while you're, so, and when you're asleep, uh, when you're awake, even though you don't, you're not aware of it, we have, we do have this voluntary control over breathing, which we lose when we fall asleep. And then when you're, when you're asleep, you know, it's your um, diaphragm gets pulled down your chest wall expands, there's negative pressure in your chest and you, you're breathing in and out. And in some cases, you know, oftentimes associated with snoring, they may stop breathing at night. That's what sleep apnea is. And so I think that's one of, that, that's the biggest misconception when people say, well, I, I don't have sleep apnea. And my, I would say, well, how do you know? Because until you get a sleep study to find out whether you have sleep apnea or not, you don't. And you know, uh, snoring and sleep apnea sort of lie along the same spectrum. Snoring is milder. Uh, sleep apnea is often more severe along that spectrum. And, and so if you have a, if, if your bed partner tells you that you snore or make strange noises, or if you're tired or fatigued during the day, and if you, if you wake up with a dry mouth, if you feel foggy during the day, etc., those could all be signs that you have sleep apnea. And you don't know if you don't have it. Well, that's too many negatives. You don't know if you have it or not unless it's been screened and you've had a sleep study. Oh my gosh. Hmm. I think people wonder about sleep studies. How do you, how are those? Well, so, so, you know, traditionally sleep studies were always done in the sleep lab in which we, we brought you in, you, you got hooked up and we mm -hmm. measured your EEG levels to measure, you know, what your brain waves look like. That's what, how we measure sleep, mm -hmm. measured your breathing, your heart rate, your movements, you know, your, um, um, your eye movements, et cetera. And so that typically involves spending the night somewhere but now there's been such a change in the last few years let's say about seven years and especially in the last couple of years in which we can now do these sleep studies at people's homes and uh -huh. they're especially useful when you're using it as a screening tool for sleep apnea so we you know send people home with the device it measures your your uh, you know, airflow, it measures your oxygen levels, it measures your heart rate, it measures your effort. And so it can give us a pretty good information of whether you have, whether you stop breathing or not, how mm -hmm. often you do, and that will tell you how mild, whether it's mild, moderate or severe, whether your oxygen levels, if they fall when you have sleep apnea, that would be another indication of how severe they are. And mm -hmm. because we are measuring effort, it can also differentiate between obstructive and central sleep apnea, which are, you know, they're two different kind of apneas. And so it's, it's, a, it's, it's pretty neat. And I, you know, in particular, I'm, I, 
I have to tell you, I'm very excited about um, this artificial intelligence or this, you know, the use of technology as a tool, mm -hmm. uh, as uh, being a sleep physician and the ability to monitor people's sleep in their own home environment and get enough information that will help us make either a diagnosis or to rule out something, or even if it is to say that, you know, this is severe enough that you need to come into the sleep lab. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, if, if there is even a question of whether you may have sleep apnea, Diane, I would suggest that they talk to their primary care physician. The primary mm -hmm. care physician will probably set them up to get a home sleep study and then meet or, you know, meet with a sleep specialist or, you know, the other way around, get a sleep specialist and who ref, uh, recommends a home sleep study. And again, you know, a full mm -hmm. history will need to be taken. Mm -hmm. That's excellent. I think most people think that sleep studies staying overnight somewhere would just be intimidating but if there's a halfway step or you know these small yes. steps we can take to reveal mm -hmm. uh, what's going on that's excellent makes it more doable yes yes and you can scale that for sure you know you can get more people to do it because otherwise when you're in the sleep lab you're sort of limited with from with the um uh, you know, space. So, you know, I, at the Henry Ford sleep lab, when I was working at the, at the, uh, at the center, I was the uh, section head and, and um, service chief uh, of, in one particular location, location, we had four beds there and we ran them seven days, um, you oh know, a week. And so, you know, 365 days a year, except for, I think, the federal holidays. And then in addition to that, we did daytime sleep studies, but that, that, that does limit how many people you can get. I, I have to tell you that, that some when, when people have significant heart as well as lung disease or certain neurological diseases, they do need to come into sleep lab. But that's where your primary care doctor is going to make sure that you get funneled into the right, um, you know, uh, um, uh, into the right category of where you need to be. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, you know, when I'm working with athletes and, um, C-suite executives who are relatively healthy and they have this question of you know how they're sleeping whether they have sleep apnea getting home sleep studies is really you know it's it's really is doesn't even interfere with their uh daytime job because it's just something they use you know at home you get the information you get the data and then it's easy mm -hmm. to take it from there that seems great because i think most people the sleep study would just seem like a mountain they couldn't climb, mm -hmm. and, but it makes it more doable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are you, and I, I know we haven't talked about this topic, but in terms of COVID and, uh -huh. and in executive function, I, I'm sure there are athletes that have had, you know, maybe full COVID, long COVID, or even mild COVID. Do you, are, what do you notice? Is this I can tell you what I notice in my field. Okay. And um, so I uh, collaborated with Dr. Carla Edwards. She is a psychiatrist who works with the Canadian Olympic team. Mm -hmm. And we did a couple of um, blogs on the British Journal of Sports Medicine, speaking about the, about, you know, anxiety and insomnia mm -hmm. and how that really, it was, substantially higher in athletes during times of COVID. So of course, you know, COVID 
you know, was devastating to the daily lifestyles of everybody. And particularly so for athletes, especially last year was like the year when they were going to have the Olympics. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everything sort of shut down. In fact, I think, I think the NBA was like the first league to actually shut down. And then, you know, this was like a domino effect and everybody else shut down, but it, you know, for athletes and I would say, um, you know, top level executives, they're, they're, they're high strung, they're, you know, super competitive and may even be inclined to be to have some anxiety and then then taking away you know what they do on a daily basis which really fulfills a a you know a, a basic need for them and taking away that structure and taking away that tra physical training really could worsen anxiety and Absolutely. you know in association with the anxiety the insomnia Mm -hmm. So, and I think, I think that there's, you know, there were, there were different stages, there was difficulty uh, during COVID and then there was anxiety just because of this return, because we're not, you know, we, we're hoping everything is, is okay, but there is, we, we now know that nothing is completely predictable and when things are not completely predictable that, well, that itself is very anxiety provoking and, and, you know, that can result in poor sleep. Um, I know that during COVID, people were sleeping, you know, they'd go to bed late, they'd wake up later. During COVID, people were drinking more alcohol because they didn't have to drive somewhere the next day. And that yes. was, was doing a number on their sleep. Um, they lost, you know, there was a blur in, you know, home and, and work life. So they lost, um, you know, they were maybe working extra hard, even though they were from home. There was loss mm -hmm. of structure. Uh, where, when they were at home and, you know, it could be in your pajamas, you know, and late in the afternoon because you didn't really have a structure, eating meals really, really late. Mm -hmm. um, eating bad meals. Yes. Mm -hmm. And yes, yeah, yeah. So so there was all of that. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I, I, I'll tell you what, I mean, I, I think I think that COVID is a reset. It's like, you know, COVID is the the most significant change in the history of medicine for us, right? Oh my God. This is, it's so major. And I really think that, that there is a, there's, there's going to be a transformation because, you know, when COVID happened and it did, although there were some risk factors, but it was sort of random. So, you know, we always are, you know, I think that, that the, we've, we've understood that the locus of control is somewhat internal in which people, you know, working on your behavior, working on your diet, working on your exercise regimen becomes integral. And, you know, I, I think like, you know, working on your sleep, you know, think of it as a skill that you learn and you, you work on improving. I mean, I, I, it, for me, I think that's what COVID meant. Yes. You know, changing my lifestyle, uh, playing more tennis, although poorly, but... <laughs> <laughs> I know I was I was thinking yesterday about how my friends have all become, you know, very careful at their regimen and mm -hmm. what they're doing and um, what they're eating. And I'm now wearing this heart rate monitor, at mm -hmm. the, the chest band, I look at my readiness for the day in the morning and developing my heart rate variability. 
it, it's just like, I think we're all becoming much more, mm-hmm. um, it's a good thing, um, mm-hmm. more aware of our bodies and looking mm-hmm. to take care of those. And that's why I think your field is, is just so important. So as we kind of begin to wind down here, I wondered what are things that you would recommend for most people to, to know or to practice about sleep? What's, what are the key, what's one key thing? Well, I, I think that, that one way I would tell people is to, to uh, be, one thing I would tell people would be to be cognizant of how much time they're sleeping. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because there's this misconception that people have which is that, that they are aware of how sleepy they are or that they're getting enough sleep. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, if you get less sleep on a chronic basis and you sleep deprive yourself just by a little bit, then that self-perception of how sleepy you are, that gets blurred. And so you lose that ability to tell how sleepy you are. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to an alcoholic, you know, not an alcoholic, but anybody drinking alcohol, they would be the last person, the, uh, the person drinking should not get to decide whether they're going to drive or not, because they, their judgment is impaired. Similarly, that happens when you get less sleep on a chronic basis. And I always tell people that if you, you know, there are three or four signs that I would look for. If, if you can't get by get through the day without drinking caffeine. If you feel tired and sleepy and frazzled, especially especially in the mid afternoon where you just can't keep your eyes open, if you're sitting down uh, to do something quiet and boring or dull or you're sitting in front of the computer, or if you, there's a substantial, there's a difference between how much you're sleeping on week, on your off days as compared to what you get on during a work day. That would, to me, implies that you're not getting enough sleep. And my suggestion would be, you know, rather than if you're getting six hours or five hours on a regular basis, rather than say, well, I'm going to try and get eight hours and not achieve that, try getting 25 minutes extra every night and do that for a while and then slowly increase it by another 25 minutes or so and, and see, see how you feel. Mm-hmm. Just 25 minutes, add 25 well, minutes. Yes, yeah, just, you know, a short day. I would even say 15, 20, like whatever you can fit it, fit. So that you can you can take these baby steps to getting better sleep. Okay, that's excellent. That seems very doable. For those of you who are listening and can't see Dr. Singh, you I'm going to create a picture of the amazing things you have behind you. Oh, and thank you. Picture, uh, I'll I'll try to get a picture and share it. And we were talking about like the things that you have gotten from your work, the tangible uh-huh. things. And I wondered if you could talk about like some of the tangible takeaways, the things in these cases. Well, so you know, I absolutely don't mean to brag about it, but I, I am so geeked about this. So I, I do have a few game balls. I have, um, you know, I've worked in, in baseball and I've had some balls presented um, by teams by in the NFL the NBA. I also have a World Series ring. I want to see it. Yes, yes. Hold on. I'm just going to get it for you. Oh my gosh. So this is my, um, my in 2019, I worked for the the Washington Nationals and, um, uh, you know, we won all our away games. And I have to tell you that as a, 
that's that's you know it truly is working with these top teams who really want to do well because they really listen and um you know i help them with their schedule their travel um and yeah i got i got a, oh a ring it's um it's got my my name on it i don't know if you can see mohindra is my husband's last name it's engraved on there yes oh my gosh you couldn't even wear that in your hand it's so big. it is it is unfortunately you know the, the larger the smaller size was too big for my fingers so i had to wear it oh my goodness that's amazing yeah. Yeah, so I, I shall be eternally grateful oh my gosh so it's safe to say that your work is very rewarding for you <laughs> for sure it really is and and I have to tell you that, that the rewarding part is, Diane, it's, it's when somebody, when they say that I get them. Yes. That itself mm -hmm. is really, is rewarding, mm -hmm. you know, because it is, it is, it's, it's amazing to be able to work, um, you know, with people and know that one's making a difference. But uh, I have to tell you that like when, when, when the U.S. Uh, soccer, the women's national uh, team, sent me an email, it was you know I two a couple of years ago I had worked with somebody else in in U.S. soccer and they were having lunch and they were saying that they're going to go and they wanted some resource and they recommended me and he he sent me an email saying could I, could he introduce me and I'm like yes please so, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes yes for sure ten x yes yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting! It's I, you're an amazing resource. Oh, thank oh, you so God. much, and thank you for giving me a platform. I, I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. So, where else can our listeners find you? I, I think you said you had some things coming up. You have the article that came out a few days ago. Yes, yes, I do. And so, you know, I'm I'm on LinkedIn as Meter Singh MD. I'm on. Twitter as athlete sleep MD one. I am mm -hmm. on Instagram. I do have a website and I, you know, people get, a lot of people get in touch with me through the website. In fact, that's how, when I start working with newer clients, that's how they get in touch with me. Mm -hmm. um, if you, I'm, I'm actually in the process of building a, a YouTube account. However, uh, you know, I will post all those links. So if anybody wants to get in touch with me, I'm always interested uh, to find out more and, so you're a keynote speaker and I am. Yes. Yes. And I, you know, one of the things actually that's really exciting that I'm doing right now, which I've just started in the last um, couple of years is that uh, is working with uh, division one college programs, sports programs. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really fun because, you know, here are these, these young players were, you know, haven't gone pro as yet, but yeah. they're the best in their field. And, you know, and, and, you know, college athletes, they have to wear two hats. They have to, they have to keep up with their academic load. They have to, you know, do well in their sport. And sometimes they're working to make, you know, money oh, and no. to help them and to help their, you know, their coaches coaching program and they're working with their team dietitians and athletic trainers to, you know, bring sleep services to them. It's, I, I, I really enjoy it. Oh my gosh. That's great. Well, you'll have to come back another time, I hope, and, and talk about concussion because I think- <laughs> It would be my pleasure. Don't wanna keep you longer, but it's been really wonderful. I am so grateful. This is 
I think this thank will be you. very, very helpful for listeners. And oh, thank you so much. I do. I, I have a tendency to ramble, but no. my teenagers complain about that all the time. Oh, <laughs> you weren't rambling and it was, it's been great. So thank you yes. for spending your morning with me. And I really thank appreciate you. your time and your expertise. I wish you well. And, um, Thank you, Diane. And well, yes, <laughs> and I and I really enjoyed. Uh, you know, I just I've started reading your book. It's so well written. So I would recommend to all your your um, audience members they should definitely go buy it. It's such a well written book. And thank you, listeners, for listening to this episode. And join us for our future episodes, which are equally fascinating. I am thrilled by the people that we have invited to our our podcast, as well as some people we have so far planned for, for the fall. It looks great. If you would ever like to be a guest on our podcast, then be sure to send me a note. I'm excited to receive some, some really exciting introductions and just a little about our workshop coming up, the Neuroscience Advantage. It has all my favorite topics, sleep, heavy on sleep, because I love it when people sleep well. It's the best thing for your brain. On memory, uh, there are things on memory, uh, focus too, and just other, uh, an array of other issues that people face in daily life. I think you really like it. It's, it's something that we put together. It's an hour. And during the week of the Olympics, I just wanted you to know that that you won, <laughs> you won and it's free. So please join us for this masterclass. I would just love to see people that hear us all the time in person and be able to talk about some of these very powerful tools. And you'll leave with an action plan, things that you can do, bring right back to your life to make it better and to feel more comfortable and like you can achieve the goals that you have. And also, um, really, thanks for listening. I want to say a brief thanks to Dan Schiffmacher, who is my editor, my production person here. He makes everything better. And also to Cameron Wyant, who is my assistant, who makes us better and organized. <laughs> so it's I say in life to surround yourself with people that amaze you and that are kind. And I have been very lucky to have that. So thank you and come back again.